Hi guys, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Cults in Crime. I'm Jamie. And I'm Nicole. And like always, last week we had a cult episode, and this week we're going to cover a crime. Nicole, what are we covering? So before we even get started, I want to warn everybody. I know we typically do have our warning in the front of the podcast that does state, you know, we see, we talk about a lot of things that are gruesome, but this case is especially gruesome, especially troublesome. I have a lot of really, really detailed stories about what happened to her, and if sexual assault something that makes you really uncomfortable or having to listen to violence in detail then this probably isn't the episode to you but if you still want to listen we are recovering the case of lavina johnson and without further ado guys let's get started Levina's mom had looked outside and said, John, there's a soldier at the door. Mr. Johnson was a retired military, and he knew what this meant. Something had happened to his daughter. Opening the door, asking what he wanted, the service member spoke and said, We regretfully inform you, Private Levina Johnson is dead. Not only was she dead, but she had died of a self-inflicted wound. The service member shook his head and spoke telling him that her death was under investigation. The very next day, another knock at the door. It was a man in charge of all the funeral arrangements. He had told Mr. Johnson that he was instructed to ask if they would consider a closed casket. And because, and I'll quote, I've been told it's not pretty. Unquote. Mr. Johnson had told him he's going to get a look at his daughter and there better be nothing wrong with her. Well, Mr. Johnson didn't know this yet, but something really was off. 19-year-old Lavina's choice to join the military was directly related to her father's service. She was told her entire life, you look like your daddy, you act like your daddy, you think like your daddy. She had joined right out of high school and served on several deployments, and she was currently deployed in Iraq when she had passed. And the family couldn't believe it. They had spoke with her just two days prior. She was all set to start a new job on the army base and her outfit, the 129th Corps support battalion was finally on their, after a really long deployment, heading home to the States in a couple of months. And during that phone call with her parents, she seemed hopeful and excited to come home and start her new job. Mr. Johnson and his wife just didn't think and didn't understand what had happened. The military was zero help. They just gave them very little information and it was often contradictory. Uh, I wanted to quote Mr. Johnson here. Um, So, quote, When you come and you tell me my 19-year-old daughter didn't value life, and that's all she did, value all life. You tell me she committed suicide, but you didn't tell me what she did, whether she jumped off a bridge. They just didn't give me any information. Unquote. Which, you know, to a grieving mother and father, Getting any little scrap of closure about his daughter's death, well, I just don't understand why the military couldn't at least tell them how she would die. Well, if it's something that's involved in, like, a super top-secret mission, they tend to be a bit mum on details. So if she was, you know, in an active combat zone, they don't like talking about that kind of stuff. If she, for some reason, had access to information 
um, if her death was particularly gruesome, they tend to try to spare the family those details. If the family's asking, though, I, you know, it's, it's just closure. Like, they wanted to know how she died. They told, you know, to tell her, tell them that she committed suicide. And then when they ask what happened, they have no information for you. It could be something like, hey, we're waiting for the results or we haven't gotten her body back. They were told that after the autopsy report was completed, they would immediately hear back for what had happened, but the military's investigation actually took months. They had concluded that Private Johnson had taken her issued M16 rifle and turned it on herself, firing a single shot into her own mouth inside a contractor's tent on the military base. The report also included witness testimonies about Levina, suggesting that she had grown depressed over a recent breakup. When... When Mr. Johnson and his wife had to go to the airport like they had done several times in the past to pick up their daughter, they ended up picking up a casket instead. Inside lay their 19-year-old daughter. At their funeral home was where they were finally able to see their daughter for the very last time, but things were quickly determined to be off. Levina's mother, upon seeing her daughter, had almost collapsed, and she was crying, What did they do to my baby? What did they do to my baby? When Mr. Johnson peered into the casket, he was shocked as well. Lavina had several injuries to her face. There was a cut under her eye. Her nose appeared to be reset and swollen. Her left eye appeared to be concave. She had another cut in the right side of her mouth with a swollen bottom lip. Mr. Johnson knew right away that a gunshot into her own mouth couldn't have caused all this. He began to look further. He ended up draping his body over her and saw a small hole. This hole was located on her left side on her forehead, almost to her hairline. Mr. Johnson had then asked the mortuary if they had found anything unusual, such as bruises or cuts on her hands. To which they replied, they couldn't get her gloves off. Her gloves have actually been glued to her hands. So I did state earlier, Mr. Johnson was told he would immediately get a phone call, right? When the autopsy report was completed. And it would take almost a month after the autopsy was completed for, for them to get a phone call. Mr. Johnson, answered, Mr. Johnson answered the phone. A man named Ed Reedy had spoke and stated that he had completed the autopsy and asked if they had any questions. The very first thing out of Mr. Johnson's mouth was if they had completed a rape kit. It had grown to be an assumption of Mr. Johnson, and it had really weighed on his mind when he found out that Levina had died. To which Mr. Ripley had replied that no, because there was no sign of a struggle. Which, after seeing his daughter lay in the casket, he knew that was a lie. She was covered, you know, her face was covered in ligature marks. You know, it's, it's, it seemed odd to me to say there was no struggle, so there was no reason to do a rape kit. I'm not a mortician, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't work for CIS, but I don't know. I feel like it was just wasn't a thorough exam, in my opinion. My, you know, completely non-medical opinion, I guess. Well, generally, unless it's asked for or there are signs of rape, you don't do rape kits. You know, that's why there's such a big backlog, because even when we do do them, we don't generally test them on a timely period. Hello, government, let's work on this. But it's just, it's not generally something they did, but the aunt, if the family's asking for it, why not? Yeah, I agree. And he had also asked about the hole in the left side of her forehead. So Lavina was right-handed. So that didn't make sense to him, to which 
to which he had replied that that was just the exit wound. So, and Jamie, I want to get this out of the way right now. Those M16 rifles are not handguns, as you and I both know. A loaded M16 is actually 8.79 pounds with a length of 39 inches, almost 40 inches. Lavina, being a very petite 5'1", it would have been extremely difficult, if not near impossible, for her to have that gun in her mouth and pull the trigger, but have the exit wound on her forehead. Um, full disclosure, <laughs> I did a little experiment. Um, what I did was I took out a measuring tape and I measured out the 39 inches. And uh, just to be fair, I'd actually cut it in half to signify maybe the top of the gun to the handle. And I'm 5'6", so a little bit taller than Luvina herself was. And I couldn't reach to pull that trigger, Jamie. And also, the bullet common in the M16, when shot, will destroy a large amount of tissue and leave a very large exit wound almost taking like the whole piece of the brain that it had hit with it, right? Well, that and you'd see scarring, like you'd see heat scarring where the um, where the bullet entered the body. In her mouth? it was entered so close. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it entered so close. A barrel right against your skin like that, you're going to see scarring around that entrance wound. Yeah, definitely. And the exit wound was actually incredibly small. Very uncommon for that kind of bullet. Mr. Johnson had called the liaison to see if he could get any further information regarding her death. He told him he would get back to him, and that same day he did call back. He stated he was told the indigestion was so messed up that it would take years to straighten out. So the liaison did end up giving Mr. Johnson a copy of the autopsy report, but this was due to the Freedom Information Act. But all this did was further suspicions to what Mr. Johnson had noticed in the casket. These reports did include color photos of the autopsy and crime scene. She had numerous injuries, none of which were shown on the autopsy report itself. The report only included injuries to her face. However, the photo images proved there were so many more, Jamie, some of which were a fractured lower jaw, a busted lip, broken teeth, a broken nose, which was later to find out that they had actually completed plastic surgery on her nose to repair it. Postmortem? Yeah, postmortem. I can kind of understand this, but that's just not usually what the military does when, tra- when dealing with dead bodies. Well, Jamie, those that's gloves usually something a mortician her- would do. Yeah, and then furthermore, the gloves glued to her hands actually ended up covering third-degree burns. There was bruises and there were scratches all over her upper torso, and there was even teeth marks. Teeth marks? Some chemicals had been poured on her genitals leaving horrible chemical burns. Like, this isn't suicide, or at least doesn't seem like classic suicide to me. And like, if it was suicide, it'd be the suicide of a very psychotic person. Like, she would have had to have a serious psychotic break to be biting herself well, and how do putting you, yeah. chemicals on herself. Well, I don't know what the bite marks were, but, you know, like, that's a serious psychotic break. If, if it was suicide, that would be, like, a serious psychotic break. Yeah, I completely agree. And these reports also painted a picture of what had happened on that day. According to the investigative reports, Levina was devastated when her boyfriend of just two months had broken up with her via an email, and this had strung her into depression. The military investigator then said that Levina had printed out the emails, stuffed them in her pocket, slung her M16 service weapon over her shoulder, and went to buy M&Ms and a six-pack of soda at the military store with an unnamed male friend. The military claims that she returned to the barracks, but then Lavina left again, but this time she was alone. 
She then made her way to a tent belonging to Kellogg Brown and route KBR, a military contractor. Once Elvina was inside the tent, the military says she found a can of aerosol and lit the breakup emails on fire, and then the entire tent. According to the military, the distraught Levita then put the 40... Levita then put that 40-inch M16 into her mouth and fired. But again, the colored photos had proven to show another image entirely. Mr. Johnson had his brother score through the photos. Uh, he had begun looking at them, knowing full well that he was going to be staring at his daughter laying dead on the floor. But when he had saw his daughter's face, he just couldn't do it anymore. A couple of them didn't make sense to the photos of Livia laying on the ground with her right arm resting over her face. To me, that doesn't make sense either. I'm assuming given the weight and size of a gun, as well as Lorena being right-handed, that she would have used her right hand to pull the trigger and have her left hand to steady the whole weapon, right? No idea how a hand on the bottom of a gun with a finger on the trigger would end up laying across her face. Which I would have assumed it would have landed on her right side, right? The gun when it dropped. And not right next to her body either. The gun was over an arm inch away and like look i'm not a medical examiner but i do have common sense and it just doesn't make sense what do you think jamie i'm like trying to contort my body to make this work and to be fair i'm anidextrous so i did when i went to go like do it with my hands i did put my left hand down where the trigger would be in my right to steady but even then like i couldn't reach down all the way and depending like the way you'd have to contort your body to make this happen, if anything, you'd slump forward or yeah. slump to the side. It wouldn't be directly on, you wouldn't be on your back usually. Maybe if you were laying down doing it, but then your legs would be all scrunched up. Yeah, it just, it doesn't make a ton of sense. And then for the gun to be so far away from the body, like, did she, th- did she shoot herself and throw it away? No, that, that's physically impossible. Yeah, you know? like you, sometimes you see that as someone standing up when they commit suicide because they'll drop the gun and then it can clatter away. Yeah, and they st- but and they say that she's actually sitting down. Yeah, in my mind, there's no with that type of rifle, you wouldn't want to do that standing. Yeah, like, I don't know how you would do that standing up because you'd have to balance. Plus, she was you know short as all get out. She's five three, right, or five one? She's only five one. Yeah, she's five one. That's tiny. I can't imagine a 5'1 girl standing up on... So the color photos had also shown blood was absolutely everywhere. There was a shot where her nose was broken from left to right, or there was a photo of her lower teeth that shows her jaw had actually been broken cleanly in half, Jamie, and her bottom and her top lip, there was even impression from where she had bit down on it. She bit down on her own lip? She I bit- thought the gun was supposed to be in her mouth. Exactly. It doesn't make any sense. They, so these photos are incredibly gruesome. And I can't stress this enough. It's colored photos of a murder victim. And I'm not even going to call her a suicide victim. She's a murder victim. And you can see a clear imprint on her upper lip of her teeth from when she bit down on her upper lip. To me, that... You know, you can't bite down on your lip as you shoot a gun in your to your mouth. But she, and then she's also covered in all these lacerations, Jamie, including these two deep cuts around her mouth. And to go into further graphic details, 
The photos of her genitals show her labia was swollen with blisters on one side with several tears. Oh my god, that's, oh, oh my god, oh. Oh my god, that's, that's, oh, ugh. You know, for- Oh my gosh, I I feel ill, I I feel, I I honestly feel really ill right now. How do you look at that and think not to do a rape kit? I, you know, as I'm- Well, at that point, like, the rape kit, what you're testing for is semen, and the semen's not going to be there. But, like, you see that and you know there was some sort of, at least some sort of sexual aspect to this. Some sick person, like, did, got some sort of sexual gratification out of this. You don't attack someone's genitals unless you're punishing them, which is also a form of sexual gratification, fun fact, everyone, or you're getting sexual satisfaction out of it. Like, there's just no way. Well, so, it's wildly speculated by Mr. Johnson that the chemical burn to her genitals had been placed there in order to try to remove DNA evidence. But I actually had to take a break when I was watching the documentary about this case because I was so disturbed. But I did warn you guys, this was not going to be an easy case for us. This is absolutely gruesome. And the further I dive into it, the more twists there's going to be and the more uncomfortable everybody's going to feel. I already had a quick moment of nausea, so let's keep going. (laughs) So something else that was not able to see unless the photo was colored was there was a large burn on the back of her thigh, which wouldn't have been able to happen if she had her clothes on because she was fully clothed when they found her but the clothes themselves didn't have any damage to indicate that there was burns yeah i was gonna say like well you can get a burn through your clothing you i've burnt myself on a tailpipe on a motorcycle through jeans but generally you get pieces of the jeans stuck in your skin yeah there was no damage to the clothes so you know it it's not hard to speculate that that burn happened when she didn't have pants on So Mr. Johnson would end up relying heavily on his brother, who had a degree in criminal science, and he had agreed to look further into the paperwork. He did spot a couple things, and I want to quote the report as, you know, to be accurate, quote, results of hostile action in combat, and circumstances were clearly in the line of duty, unquote. The papers also said that Levina was mentally deranged and depressed, She hated her life and didn't want to live. However, they spoke with her company commander and the reported said, and I'll quote, This soldier was clearly happy and seemingly very healthy physically and emotionally, unquote. Which to me is crazy. Like, how do you come up with these? How do you come up with, oh, she's showing signs of depression, talks about killing herself and displays some recognized signs of suicide. But then literally her company commander says that she was happy. And you know what I don't get? Is she, if you guys, everyone, everyone on the whole base knows she's suicidal. Everyone knows she's psychotic. Why isn't she hospitalized? Yeah. Literally, if you have a soldier say they're thinking about committing suicide, that's a huge red flag in the military. Literally everything stops. They take away your gun. You have no access to firearms and you're put on watch. Like people watch you for 24 hours. Yeah, I, I agree. And then to go even further, Mr. Johnson even contacted her two female friends that she had spoke about in her letters to her family, and, they had, and he'd asked them if they, she had shown any signs of depression or anything, and neither of them said that she'd ever spoken to them like that. When Mr. Johnson had asked how they knew that she was depressed, well, the military had an answer for that. 
According to them, she had had sex in Fort Campbell, Kentucky with a fellow soldier. This soldier had given her a sexually transmitted disease, but there was no record of her ever getting any treatment. Mrs. Johnson had asked why there was nothing prescribed, and they had said that she had refused treatment for it, and that had caused her depression. Which makes zero sense to me. Hey, um, I have to stress this. Why are they sending her downrange if she's a sexually transmitted disease? Ooh, good point, Jamie. But like, yeah, it's like, you know, she's a teenage girl. Like, why wouldn't she just get some antibiotics and clear it up? I have a light. Okay, so I literally knew a guy who was supposed to be deployed and his deployment got held back because he didn't get his wisdom teeth taken out in time. They don't like sending people that are ill or sick or have problems downrange because the medical, like, they don't have the facilities to help people there. They don't have stuff to take care of sexually transmitted diseases or to yank out teeth. So they won't send you. They'll just send someone else. Well, yeah, so we have to do to clearance me, all. We'd have to do clearance all the time in the dental office for military people to go on deployments. Oh, yeah, the checklist you have to do to be deployed is time-consuming. It, it takes a lot of people weeks to complete. Where you have to go to medical, you have to go do your tax stuff. You have to, depending if you have a wife or not, you want to go say that she has, you know, the right to sign your name on documents, like. You don't send people who have sexually, like, that you know who did not receive treatment downrange. Like, you just don't. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So they had mentioned a change in her eating habits, but this wasn't her eating more or less. They had stated that she had started to eat a lot of ice cream. I'm sorry, what? So her father had also mentioned that they ate ice cream in the household all the time, and it was completely normal for her to have ice cream once or twice a day. And mind you, like this is when I this is a hot time for Iraq. It was over a hundred degrees every single day. Having a scoop of ice cream doesn't seem crazy to me and doesn't seem like a sign of depression. Well it's like, are you guys reading too many Kathy comments? Like I don't understand. What 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 I don't know if this is some sexist bullshit <laughs> or what. But a girl could eat ice cream and not be sad. Sometimes you eat ice cream because you just want ice cream. Ice cream's delicious. Yeah. I agree. And so then one of the other ways that they said that she, that to prove that she was suicidal was that she'd recently taken up smoking, um, according to the documents. But Mr. Johnson said that she would never smoke. However, you know, even if she did, like, I know a thousand soldiers that had started smoking after joining the military. It's not oh, uncommon. Yeah, it's really common because you want us to fit in and have people to hang out with. Who's always hanging out? People smoking. I agree. And that soldier, by the way, that they had claimed had given her a sexually transmitted disease had later stated that he had never had sex with her and that they were just friends that had gone to church together and that she had said that she was saving herself for marriage and he had respected that. Which, don't get me wrong, like, I am so enraged. So, like, let me, let's not get this wrong. Like, let's not get this twisted. Like, there is the realm of possibility that this guy wouldn't want to admit that he transferred a sexually transmitted disease to her. But, you know, but you have to take into what he says into consideration, right? You 100% do, and I am, like, completely enraged right now, because, like, clearly the documents that the government is putting forth here are fraudulent. They are fraudulent on multiple accounts. A lot of this stuff doesn't make sense. And then you have people being like, oh, no, that never happened. I know her really well. Also, you guys have no medical documents to back this up. Like, you don't have documents except for your own investigation. Every other document that's official, an official document, you guys don't have. You guys don't have medical documents being like, oh, she she saw a doctor for a sexually transmitted disease, or she saw a doctor for a pap smear. You guys don't have that. You don't have her taking medication for that. 
and you guys apparently sent her down range when she was ill like something that does not happen in the military even though you guys knew she had a sexually transmitted disease so i am just really confused here of how this makes sense no i can sorry i'm getting like really angry i'm gonna calm down (laughs) well you know i want you to be angry i want actually i want everybody to be angry about this case i was mad and it's just a complete misjustice and i feel like i keep talking about cases where things weren't done correctly and this is just another example of things not being done right but this one is it's they it's not it's almost like they didn't even bother to do anything other than superficial hiding of what's actually happened and mr johnson had completely agreed with me uh, mr johnson knew to investigate this properly you would need a timeline of events Lavina had previously stated in an email with her sister that she works basically 9 to 5, and she would sometimes get off as early as 4.30. So she had gotten off at 5, but that would be almost 8 hours before her body was found. So the military's time of events is that she got off at work at 5 in her uniform, and she returned to her barracks. Then she had changed to her jogging shoes, her PT outfit, as well as a reflective belt. However, in the paperwork, it does say that Lavina had missed her PT session that day, which the paperwork doesn't state when the PT session was scheduled, but just that she'd missed it, which, just so you know, is completely unlike her. Someone we don't know who had went to her barracks to check on Lavina, but she wasn't in her room. Apparently, this didn't raise any alarms to anybody. Which, Jamie, I wanted to ask before I continue... You know, your husband's in the military, your husband's gone on deployments. If they missed a PT session in Iraq, do you think anybody would care? Well, the thing is, my husband's in the Air Force. The bases that he's gone to, they they haven't had PT sessions downrange. Because people are bored if they're going to work out anyways. Like, there's only so many places you can go on base... Especially when you're down, like especially when you're down range, there's only so many places you can go, or so far you can go before you're eventually going to come back to your room. So if someone can't find you for 30 minutes, they're going to run into you either at the chow hall, or they're going to run into you at the gym. Those are like the two places people go to hang out. Okay, that makes sense. So the report did mention that she was actually that she was in somebody else's room at 6 p.m. So this was a male soldier's room, unnamed. The reports then stated that she was still there at 10 p.m. and was giggling. That's a little unusual. So, fun fact, when you are deployed, you are not allowed to engage in sexual activity. Well, I guess in the Air Force. No, in every branch of the military. Because they can't have you getting pregnant downrange. That does check out. So, it's a little unusual to see a female in a male's barracks. It's not unheard of, but it is unusual. And that's why someone would remember it, because you remember that kind of stuff. Because it's generally not supposed to happen. You know, obviously, like, I know people that are married couples who have gotten deployed together. And, you know, they kind of skirt the rules a little bit, not going to name names. Well, furthermore, you know, it's like, so she was in this room from 6 to 10. And there is no record of ever doing an interview with this soldier or, you know, it's like what they talk what they talked about or anything, which would have been a huge clue into her psyche. I mean, four hours worth of time that well, nobody yeah, was she thought crying to do the whole time. Yeah, no one was thought she to do sobbing? an interview. Well, she, you know, at 10 o'clock, they said that she was giggling. You know, it just, it seems 
it's just so weird. So everyone's sitting here remembering the girl being in the male dorm, like the male room, laughing her butt off, and they're like, oh, cool. Let's all just look the other way. And they're like, oh, she leaves at 10 because we stop. We hear the giggling stop and the door open and her leave. Which, like I said, everyone takes notice because generally women aren't supposed to go in male rooms and men aren't supposed to go in the women's rooms, generally. Well, yeah, so they did leave. The, they left the room together at 10, Jamie. The male soldier had actually chosen to accompany her to the store. So, and not to sound like a broken record here, but there's also zero reports about talking to anybody at the grocery store. They didn't talk to the person checking them out or anything? There's zero reports of it. So I would assume if you're doing a thorough investigation that you would document any time you had a conversation with anybody about the case. In a situation when you are investigating things correctly, you, like you said earlier, have events. You put them in chronological order. You count for her movements every second of every day, like every second of that day. If not every second for days leading up to that, if you can. You talk to everyone who t- who had contact with her, especially in a suicide situation. Well, yeah, this is a key to her psyche. And they say that she left the store at 11.45. Just so, you know, just to, I guess, give you a, chronic- a timeline. They left the barracks at 10. And they got to the store around, I don't know what time. And they left at 11.45. Which means it would have taken over an hour for them to go to the store and shop. Which, I'm not sure how big a military base is, but I doubt it's an hour walk. It depends on the base, because some bases, like, there's a part of the base where you're at, but you can also go to another base that's close, but you have to take a transport. So, like, and some bases are really large, just generally, I would, I want to err on the side of, I don't think it takes an hour to get anywhere when you're downrange. But hey, maybe they talked a lot. Maybe they ran into someone. Maybe they stopped and had an ice cream. Who knows? Yeah, I guess. Um, I don't know. It just seems like another thing that just strikes. It just strikes me as odd, personally. But um, so according to the male soldier that is still unnamed, that 11.45, they left the store and he had returned her to her barracks. So at this point, she would have left the barracks with her M16 rifle, walked across the post, chose to sit, which the picture to me shows is like a con like a dirty contractor's tent situation with like littered trash everywhere she had found a bench to sit on and this is when she took her she must have taken her pants off then let the aerosol light in the bottom of the bench and burning the back of her thigh put the pants back on and then stuck the m16 rifle in her mouth pulling the trigger with her right finger as she had placed her left arm over her face and then died it seems a little unlikely and Mr. I Johnson agreed. I agree. I definitely well, agree I, with you. You know, I don't think it's hard for anybody to agree to this. Mr. Johnson had knew that he had to fight for justice for his daughter. He had also believed that this was not the first case of the military covering up rape and murder of a female soldier. This is when he had to listen to the help of a woman named Anne Wright. So Anne Wright had published an article called, Is There an Army Cover-Up of Rape and Murder in Soldiers? And Jamie, she has startling statistics. At the time, there had been a total of 109 deaths of women in Iraq. 48 of those deaths were ruled to be non-combat related deaths, which just means that they didn't die in combat from the enemy, it was something else. This, she also had statistics that one in three women in the military would be raped. 22, oh wait, shit, 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 shit. Which didn't mean they didn't die in combat, it just means, sorry, I'm, uh, fuck, 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 okay. At the time, there had been a total of 109 deaths of women in Iraq. 
48 of those deaths were ruled non-combat related, which just means that they didn't die in combat from the enemy, it was something else entirely. 22 out of 48 of those deaths, according to Anne, were very suspicious, where you have to ask what happened. And one more statistic she showed was one in three women in the military will be raped. And Jamie had pointed this out to me, but you know, these statistics aren't accurate for today's time, but this is a fairly recent case. This isn't like it happened 20 plus years ago. So when he had talked to Anne Wright, she had sent over all these suspicious cases that she had talked about. Mr. Johnson had looked at all these reports, but had quickly became interested in the death of Tina Priest. He felt it was almost exactly like his daughter's. Tina Priest was a 19-year-old woman in Iraq, and she called her mom every single day. She had disclosed to her mother that she had been raped and was seeking medical treatment for the rape as well as counseling. Her mother said she was angry, sad, embarrassed, but she didn't have any thoughts of suicide and she wasn't depressed. However, 10 days later, she was found dead in her barracks. She had placed an M16 rifle in her mouth and had pulled the trigger herself. Tina's mom didn't think this was her daughter. She would have never done that. And she had told her if she was having those kinds of thoughts. Tina's mom had began the process of getting information about her daughter's death and every single piece of information she received took a completely separate Freedom of Information Act. Which would have just been a horrendous process. Mr. Johnson had reached out to Tina's mom, her name's Joy by the way, and it spoke and it spoke each about their daughter's deaths. Joy and Eden had her own autopsy completed on her daughter and a ballistics test. The test proved that Tina being 5'2 could not have shot the gun with the M16 rifle. She just couldn't reach. When she had turned the findings to the military and their only reply was that she must have used her big toe. Which I personally don't have a ton of rifle experience. I have, you know, I've handled several handguns, shotguns, but I couldn't even imagine shooting a gun with my toe. You know, it just seems, it's crazy. Yeah, that is, that is a little, um, it's a far-fetched kind of thing for sure. Definitely. You know, to me, I'm not saying it's impossible. Like you could do it, but it, like, why not use a handgun? Why do all that work? Well, I know the M16 was their standard issue gun, and I don't know if they, I don't, I doubt they were handled standard issue handguns as well, but there's got to be other ways to commit suicide other than doing, I guess, going to that length. I don't, it's like, I guess it's like, I can't speak of someone's psyche, but to me, to me, this is just horrible. She was sexually assaulted, and she did the right thing by reporting it. And then she ends up dying by a quote-unquote self-inflicted gunshot wound to which she used her big toe. I mean, like, come on. Like, this isn't the first woman that this happened to. It's so common, in fact, it has a name. Command Rape. This is where men in the chain of command prey on those young women. These young women are told that these men are there to protect them and guide them, yet they're doing the exact opposite of that. They're preying on these girls, and afterwards they tell them, who would believe you? I've been in the army for five, 10, 20 years, and you've been in a couple months. Who would believe you? And they're going to believe you're a liar. This is going to take a long time. You are going to have to go to court and you're going to have to stand and tell everyone what happened. And everyone will think you're a liar and you're a whore. 
it's hard for me to talk about because it's just the the misjustice of what's happening with these girls. It's it's horrible. Well, and it isn't just in the military. Stuff like this happens all the time, everywhere you look. Yeah, it's people and it's men in power that abuse that and they hurt these women and you tell them that no one's going to listen to you and you're, everyone's going to think you're a liar and this horrible, horrible thing that happened to you, well, guess what? You're going to have to sit on the stand and recount it over and over and over again. Um, I have a well, it's just from- a way of re-traumatizing the victim, but this happens to men too. It's literally whenever people are in power because people are generally, no offense, people listening, trash. Like people just, there's just bad people out there. There is just awful, horrible, bad people. So I have a quote from Representative Jane Harmon. She states that women serving in the military are more likely to be raped by a fellow soldier than killed by enemy fire in Iraq. It's just, things need to change. Lavina's dad has stepped up and is fighting for justice. And it's not just for Lavina. He fights for Tina, and he fights for every other woman in the U.S. in the U.S. military that has had horrible injustices happen to them. At someone, you know, at the hand of somebody in a place of power, and with excuses like "women don't belong in combat" and "boys will be boys," well, this is going to keep happening until somebody does something about it. I couldn't agree more. So that's the end of my episode. There has been several laws in place uh, to make this not as prominent, but it still happens. And Jamie's right. It happens close to home. It doesn't happen just in Iraq. It happens on military bases everywhere. It happens down your street. It happens to your best friend. It happen- This happens all the time. It's just... You know, I, I want to say... And this is just off the top of my head. I'm not sure if this is still accurate, but it's one in five women will be sexually assaulted at some point in their life. And that's just civilians. Like, when is this So if you have five women around you that you know and you're comfortable with, good chances are one of them experienced sexual assault. You know, when is this going to change? Your mom, your grandmother, your sister, your cousin, your best friend. Yeah, I want everybody to think about this stuff. Like, when is this going to change? Like, when when can a woman walk down the street and be safe and feel safe like a man can? You know, my fiance is a large guy. He's five or he's six four. He's large, and he's never had to walk down the street and be scared. He's never had to look at somebody walking next to you or walking behind you and think, "Is that person after me?" He's never had to cross the street because he's uncomfortable. And this is something that. I know personally that I've done probably every day of my life. And I think you so you can speak to any woman and any woman will tell you they've had times when they're thinking, this is it. And it's sad to think that we, as females, live in this constant stage of, we live in a constant stage of fear. And then to f- go any further into it, just in this, with Lavina and a lot of these other military women that... You know, you go into the military and you get all this training and you have somebody who's your commander, your off, you know, an officer, somebody who's in charge of you, whose only job is to make sure that you make it back safe and to keep you safe and to use that power and abuse it like this. You know, it's like, I, I guess I need to stop talking about it because it's just a soapbox 
and I will stay on this soapbox until something happens. Yeah. And you guys, if you want to know more about either of those cases, there is so much information and so many podcasts and so many... Nicole, what was the documentary you watched for this? So the documentary that I got a lot of information from is called... It's called The Silent Truth. And I... I recommend watching it, but I also want you to be fully aware what you get into. You will see colored images of Lavina. You will hear about rape and you will hear about murder and you will hear about the government covering things up. But it's worth watching because information is power. So, you know, with that, I want to end our episode and, you know, next week we will be talking about a cult. Hopefully it won't be as dark as this episode was. Now I feel like I need to find a lighthearted call to talk about. Good, good, good. <laughs> Pressure's on. Pressure so is on. We will see you guys next Monday for an all new episode. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Cult and Crime. Check out our Patreon, Patreon slash Cult and Crime. And go on to our Get Vocal Cults and Crime. <laughs> yeah, we live stream every Thursday and we're having a good time doing it. Yeah, we're having a good time. Next week, we are going to do something that we only do for our Patreon members. We're going to do our famous game shows. Which are fun and great, and we love them. And we might be a little drunk. Hint, hint, it might be a shit show. So make sure you guys tune in for that. It's a free service. Yeah, it's absolutely free. We get on at 6 p.m. LA time. We're at 9 o'clock New York time. So we'll see you guys next week. Goodbye. See you next week.